Welcome to the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast, where we are in pursuit of living life abundantly, not held back by our body size or symptoms, nor are we held back by our hurts, habits, or other obstacles in life. Learn the secrets to crush it in your health, wellness, relationships, and spiritual life. I am Danielle, your host and practitioner. And in this episode, we're going to go all over the place. Yes, I'm going to come down to the idea of um, answering the question that many people have. Many people that come to me and they're just like, I just want to know what to eat because they get so overwhelmed with the marketing that is everywhere. They get so overwhelmed and then it becomes this place where there's like, well, you know what? Screw it. I don't even care. I'm tired of making decisions and and dealing with that. And I want to help you to combat what we call decision fatigue so that you can, with confidence, go to the grocery store, go to the restaurant, um, whatever it may be, and know exactly what to eat and maybe what not to eat for your hormones, your blood sugar, your thyroid, digestion, weight, and so forth. But first, can we talk? I just got back from Australia on Friday, and actually I traveled like, I think it was 26 hours of um, flight time. And it was a long time, a long, a long time stuck in an airplane, but it was, thank goodness, it was much faster on the way home with the with the tailwind and things. So I did get home um, much sooner than it, or much quicker than it was going out there. So I started um, here in my hometown where I live, not my hometown, where I, where I live, and I flew to Atlanta, and then I flew from Atlanta all the way to LA, so all the way across the country. And then I flew from LA to Sydney, Australia, and that was my stopping point. Thank goodness I didn't have to change planes there in Sydney either. But it was interesting. I was, you know, going to another country. I've only been to one other country that's not part of, you know, North America. And uh, I understand customs, you know, between Canada and the United States. It's pretty dang easy. So I'm just like, uh, I'm really nervous about doing customs when I enter into Australia. And I'm telling when I tell you it was easy. I had I was off the plane through customs, got my bag and through the checkpoint within 10 minutes of landing. And I was I landed very early and the friend that was picking me up, Jen, uh, she she was like, "Oh my gosh, I had plenty of time. I thought I had plenty of time." And she even brought her laptop to work on stuff because she thought that she would just meet me in the coffee shop in the airport and Uh, no, I was done early, like so fast through there. So it was interesting to me. So there was this banner and there were multiple kiosks for lack of better terms, like kiosks. And there were like computers at these kiosks and little scanning machines. And I waited in line for this. And what you did is I had to put my, if you belong to a country on the flag, on the, on the banner, if your flag was on that banner, you needed to go there. And so then you, put your passport face down into this machine and you slide it all the way in and then it scans it. It scans the RFID chip and then you answer a couple of questions and your passport is connected to your, uh, what is, um, visa that you had filled out and got completed and so forth. So then it spits out the best way I can even describe this is back in the old school, like in DC, the subway ticket, it spits out this like subway looking ticket and, I take that ticket to the next station, which the next station was you put your feet, you put the subway ticket into the machine. You stand on the, you're on the little feet on the floor 
And then you look at the camera and it takes your picture and then you take your ticket back. And then I went and got my luggage, got my luggage. It was one of the first things off because I was on the priority. I was a priority, had a priority ticket. And then I walk and I'm like, where is the desk? Like where people stamp my passport? Where is all these people that are going to ask me my questions? And, you know, because even we get asked questions, right? When we come across the Canadian border and I'm just like, okay, what's going on? Whatever. So I walk through and I, and this lady, I hand her my passport. I hand her the subway looking ticket and I hand her the little, um, what is that? Uh, the claim card, not claim card. What is that? The the ticket that you fill out and says, I'm not bringing anything into the, into the country, whatever. So I hand her that and she hands me back my passport and just like, have a good day. And she sends me out the door. And I'm just like, uh, okay, I'm here. I'm doing this. So then I was whisked away by my friend Jen and in all of her majesty and beautiful graciousness and so forth. And I got to the hotel. Check-in wasn't until I believe two, maybe two. And I was there at 730 in the morning. So that was not great. So um, I ended up leaving my backpack in Jen, the back of Jen's car. And she's like, do you need it today? I'm like, well, it's got my medicine and my laptop and all of that kind of stuff in it. So I did need it that day. But I go to the bathroom and I clean myself up, just do kind of like we call it a whore's bath where you just take paper towels and some soap and clean yourself up that way instead of um, actually being in the shower or a tub. And I get myself changed and I feel like, OK, I'm somewhat clean. And then I started to get sick and I my jet lag presents in obviously fatigue, like we're tired, but it's not even that like that part I can manage and deal with. It is the nausea the headaches and the dizziness that happens for me. And that's interesting because it's gotten worse over the years. And it's not because my liver has gotten worse, but it's because I've actually healed my liver and been on a circadian rhythm with my time zone that I have become more sensitive. So I don't take many medicines at all. I take my prescription medicine. I do take ibuprofen or Aleve every now and then. But most of the things I take are herbal or homeopathic. And I will pop this down below if you ever want, if you ever need this for yourself, but there is a homeopathy remedy that I use or three remedies actually that I use for jet lag and inside there it's from Boiron. I'm not even sure. I'm gonna have to like Google here. Um, they have three different, I'm actually Googling while I'm sitting here. Um, there, there's three different remedies inside of the jet, re, jet lag relief kit and inside of these. So it says it's Nux Vomica 30C, it's Coculus, Coculus Indicus 6C and Arnica Montana 6C. One of them is specifically for the drowsiness and digestion problems. One of them is for the dizziness that happens. And, the, and another one is for that nausea and then the stiffness and stuff that sets in. This is all, you know, I started this the day before I left and then I took it all day on the plane rides and so forth. And then I took it while I was there for, I think, three days. I didn't need it past three days. Um, and then when I got home, I did not take it um, preparing to come home, but I did take it when I landed and then I did take it for two days after I got home so that the time difference was 15 hours. They were 15 hours ahead, like a day ahead of us. And so that was very helpful, but I'll pop that down below for you. 
it's something that is non-addictive. Like you don't get addicted to it. You don't need it. Like when you use homeopathy, you just use it until the symptoms are released and relieved and then you just stop taking it. So keep taking when you still have the the symptoms and stop taking it when you stop having the symptoms. It's very simple and very easy. And it's something that I will be taking with me next week when I go to Hawaii to spend time with my cousin for her 40th birthday celebration. So that is that. I got to... So that first day, my friend uh, Sonia came and picked me up. And actually, she was on here in one of the episodes about... um, styling and feeling confident in your style. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and listen to it. She was so hospitable and such an amazing woman as well. I was greeted at the airport by Jen and just felt comfortable, confident, ready to go. And then um, Sonia came and picked me up at the airport and she was like, we've got to get you out in the sun. We have got to get you walking. She got me sweaty a little bit and then took me out to a brunch where I could have some anti-inflammatory foods. I had a beautiful smoothie with my meal with uh, cage-free eggs and uh, avocado toast, gluten-free toast. And that was interesting. And I, I, I realized I'm going to get here. I'm getting here to the whole topic of what do I eat? What do I not eat? I'm going to get there in just a moment. And here's kind of the segue because when I was in Australia, I noticed portion sizes were so different than Americans. And we know this, right? Like we as Americans know that our food, like everything here is supersized. We know this, but it doesn't really hit home until it's in front of your eyes and you can see the physical differences. So in America, we typically are only fed like one or two eggs as a breakfast. I had probably three or four eggs on my plate and I'm like, okay, so we're like talking supersized. Well, Danielle, that doesn't that doesn't line up with what you're talking about. But the portion of high quality food was higher than our portions of high quality food. And it got me thinking, I don't know why or where or when this happened that we thought that two eggs was enough protein or enough food for a meal. Two eggs is nothing. Two eggs is literally six, 12 grams of protein. I don't remember the fat, but it's like 70 calories a piece, 140 calories for two eggs. It's like we Bogart eggs. It's like we hold them to a place where it's just special. You go to a diner, you go to a restaurant, you go to anything around here, at least in the Midwest. I'm only speaking from my experience, obviously, but you go and they're like, oh, you get two eggs with this. And I'm like, but two eggs is nothing. And then you get a side of bacon and your side of bacon is mostly fat, right? That's not even a protein source. And then you get, or you get sausage, which is also a fat source, not a protein source. And then you get your potatoes and your toast or, you know, whatever it may be. So I noticed right away that my food access to quality anti-inflammatory foods was high. And I saw that as soon as I looked at the menu, I ordered a um, a passion fruit, something or other almond milk smoothie, which was divine in and of itself. It helped raise my blood sugar again, helped give me some energy and it allowed me to get my appetite back so that I could eat my, it took my, helped with my nausea, helped with all of that. And I felt alive and it's almost like I woke up by having that. And then I ate my eggs and I had some avocado on my gluten-free toast 
and I forget what was on top of my toe. Oh, it was, oh my gosh. It was like these Mediterranean um, heirloom tomatoes, like heirloom cherry tomatoes. So stinking good. I could not even finish my meal. And I want to say this because I'm like, again, I'm like, oh, America is so supersized me and portions are so big here. But my portions of food in, in Sydney specifically were so dense. They were so nutritionally dense that I couldn't finish my meals. I actually don't remember if I finished really any meal that was hand, like served to me from a restaurant. Actually, I don't think I did. And I'm just like thinking about the restaurants I went to. And I really don't think I could finish it because everything was so nutritionally dense. But then when I think about my American food, because I'm just like, man, that was good. And I was I was held over for such a long period of time when I was there. Normally, I'm wanting a snack or I'm having to eat a ton of food each meal to get me through here in America. And I'm like sitting there thinking, okay, so what's the difference? And I'm like, okay, when I left, my husband and I and the kids, we all kind of do a thing before we leave. If mom or dad leaves early, like super early, we can't, we don't necessarily do what we do it the night before, but we have a tradition when one of us leaves that we kind of meet and corral as a family before that other person leaves. So we'll go have brunch. We'll go have um, a nice dinner before, or even like I'll cook a nice dinner before, depending on our schedules. And so we went to first watch. First Watch is a chain restaurant here in the United States, um, and I'm not sure if it's everywhere, but it's here in Ohio, it's in Indiana, and in, and I think it's in like Illinois, but First Watch is, is touted as being such a healthy restaurant, okay? They supposedly source their products like really well, they have high quality foods, high quality everything, and I had a, like a chorizo hash bowl or something before I left, and it was very nutriently dense but it was not very high in protein. And I felt that throughout my travels. And that was a problem for me because I'm like, oh no, like I could already feel it in my muscles. I could already feel it, you know, struggling because I was already behind. And there's nothing like, you know, when you're eating on an airplane, your snacks, it's like, that's not a meal. It doesn't feel as good and satiating and so forth. And then when I got on the plane, the meals on the plane were the meals on the plane. And because I was gluten-free, my meals were very, very, very low in protein and almost all carbs. In fact, one of my my snacks, both coming and going, were two pieces of gluten-free bread with like salsa in between it. And then I would have, I think one, I got an apple, which was great. And then the other one was... Uh, like maybe a fruit bowl, like a, a melon fruit bowl. And when I say, I say the bowl very lightly, it was like two pieces of each melon and that was it. So again, very low on protein, but here it's almost like we have to pile up our plates with carbohydrates and we, we need this feeling of stick to our ribs food here in the United States. And I don't know if that's anywhere else. I don't know if that's anywhere else because I don't have that experience. But I wonder if that need to stick to our ribs allows us or gives us permission or has uh, taught us um, or conditioned us to believe that we need to have cheaper foods available at all times for food security. And because I ate nothing but fresh foods when I was in Australia. When I say fresh foods, I mean meat, I mean potatoes, potatoes at almost every meal actually because they serve a lot of potatoes. So I had potatoes at almost every meal. I had eggs every day. I had avocado nearly every day. 
I had fruit, especially vitamin C packed fruits like kiwi and um, pineapple, which their pineapple was white. It was weird. The flesh was white. It was so weird. It wasn't like a bright yellow here, which again, kind of questioning things. Maybe it is different. But, um, and then I had, so I kiwi that oranges and there was something, some berries, I would have some berries and I had that every day I had, and I was so full that I was content and I'm just like, you know, here we supersize everything. Even our portion sizes of carbohydrates are so high. You know, people think a salad is so healthy. And a salad, while it may be provide you a little bit of fiber and might provide you, you know, less calories, um, the sauces and stuff that we put on top of our salads are very calorically dense and not usually nutritious for us. And then the meat, we usually skimp the meat on top of the salad. Whereas in Australia, I was finding that the meat portions were very high and high quality. And I went to, so we had a fancy dinner one night at a place, I forget what I'd start with an F. And we had a very fancy dinner one night. I had um, almost a pound of Wagyu beef, uh, sirloin steak for dinner. And I, when I tell you, <laughs> I'm sure it's the Wagyu that was beautiful. But when I tell you the luxe richness of that meal, um, I could not finish my whole meal. I had an appetizer, which was uh, chicken liver or pate. So I had pate. And then I had um, the steak with salad and there was mashed potatoes, there was French fries and watercress salad on my side. And then there, then there was dessert that was, uh, creme brulee. And that's what I, well, that's what I chose for my meal. And I was so full. I literally could not finish everything. I, I made myself finish my steak, but I could not finish everything because it was just so rich in nutrients. And so this got me to thinking about the typical question people ask me. And they're like, what do I even eat? What do I eat? I'm having hormone problems. I am having blood sugar problems. Like whether you're diabetic, pre-diabetic or predisposed, or you're having blood sugar symptoms like headaches and blood pressure issues, elevated cholesterol, you're having all afternoon fatigue, trouble sleeping, getting up to pee at night. All these things are blood sugar symptoms. You're having thyroid problems, maybe Hashimoto's like me. Maybe you're having digestive upsets like IBS or uh, reflux or um, bloating and embarrassing gas, whatever it may be. And maybe you're like me and who used to joke that you would wear a Tums candy necklace because you got to a certain age and you just love the Tums and you even had your favorite Tums and, and favorite Tums flavors. Like I was a Tums smoothies girl. Um, I, I did, but now I know what Tums was actually doing to me and how to fix that root cause that I realized that all of this was due to not all of it, but a lot of it was due to my issues with what am I supposed to be even eating? And think about, let's just use reflux, for example. And people will say, and you may, this may be you, will say something like, oh my gosh, I can no longer have spaghetti sauce, but I love spaghetti sauce, but I can't do it because it gives me such terrible indigestion and, and reflux. And it's just so miserable. And then I have diarrhea the next day. So then they try to avoid the, the pasta sauce that they love. And it's something that they crave. And maybe they have a memory attached to that pasta sauce, or maybe they have a memory attached to Italian food. And they're just like, and it feels like this FOMO fear of missing out. 
And so then we try our best and our best willpower to hold back on that food. And we feel better because we've held back on that food. But what happens when we engage again? We didn't, we didn't fix anything. Avoidance is not fixing. And I want you to take that home tonight or whenever you're listening to this. I want you to take it home that avoidance of food or avoidance of anything, including your emotions, including those troubled relationships or those concerns or those fears that you have, avoidance of it fixes nothing. And I want to acknowledge in this moment that you probably already know what to do. You probably inherently know, and maybe even your body craves things from your childhood like beef and noodles and mashed potatoes or chicken and noodles and mashed potatoes. Maybe the reason that when you're sick that you crave things like grandma's soup or mom's soup or mom's whatever meal is probably you craving that connection with food. So the problem does not necessarily lie in you knowing what to do. You know that you need whole foods. And I'm going to define that because sometimes people think that whole foods mean something different than what it is. Whole foods means when you make that chicken soup for yourself when you're not feeling well, or maybe you make it ahead of time so that it's prepared to go when you're not feeling well, that you make that chicken soup with whole ingredients, meaning chicken as best quality as you can. Pasture raised from your local farmer is the best. If you can't get that, get the best that you can. So make it with chicken, not from the can, not from, um, ideally not from the freezer bag. You know what I'm talking about? That big bag that like Aldi has. Ideally, you're getting the freshest that you can. So do that. The broth, you can use somewhat of the broth from boiling your chicken if that's how you do it. But getting some bone broth, that is a whole food, either making your bone broth or doing it yourself. Um, So using like good quality broth. And then your carrots, carrots, celery, some people put cabbage in there, uh, onion, um, what else? Good quality corn, because I'm a corn girl, I'm from the Midwest, I'm going to put corn in almost everything. Um, I'm trying to think what else, like whatever else you want in your potato soup, make sure it comes from a good quality source and it's not from a can if possible. Now, if you do use canned goods, and and you're someone that wants to put like some, let's just say some pinto beans or some kind of beans in your chicken soup, which some people do. And we call it chicken taco soup at my house. Um, I will buy the BPA-free organic beans. BPA-free because we have learned that in some tins, um, and I can't remember the exact brands, but in some tin cans that are, that have our food in it, they put plastic inside, why do we need to put plastic inside of our tin? I don't know. But they've put plastic inside and they have found plastic, uh, microplastics in the food that's in those cans. So that's what I would recommend. So that's an example of whole foods. And our modern diet does not uh, does not afford us to really think last minute about our foods. We are in such, this is something else that stood out to me when I was in Australia was that Sydney is a huge metropolitan city. But the feeling of the city was very slow, was very not rushed. 
people were not like, go, go, go. Well, there were mad rushes. Don't get me wrong during, they called it, oh shoot, what did they call their um, rush hour? I can't remember what they called rush hour, but I'm like, what? Um, But it was, it was just, it was rush hour basically. And the streets were, the streets were full of people walking all over the place. And it was just really kind of cool. But people were not rude as in like, pushy and shovy when you think of Chicago and New York, for example, walking in the city. They were, it was just very kind. People would be considerate of walking on the other side, like making sure they don't run into you. But people walked with purpose, but not with immense speed. And I feel like I, I don't know about you, but I go through life fast. Everything I do is about being fast Because if I'm not going fast, I'm not going to reach that opportunity that I may miss if I take a break. For to have traveled as far as I did, to have experienced everything I experienced, the whole retreat, the business retreat that I was in, I typically come home from continuing education workshops blasted, like exhausted, mentally done. Like I don't want to talk to anybody. It was just too much, too fast. I came home from Australia, actually rested. And in fact, my kids and my husband in the car on the way home, they're like, we thought you were going to be so tired when you came home. And I'm like, well, it's not that I'm not tired. I'm just not spent. I was there for, I was traveling for a total of 10 days and spent seven nights in Australia. And I just felt the most rested I have ever felt in my life. And I was doing so much, but I felt so rested coming back. And so when I think about our modern diet, we are so rushed. We fill our calendars, our kids' calendars, with so much stuff to make them feel important, to make us feel important. We are complaining that we don't have time to cook a meal at home or even to go to a better restaurant or go to the grocery store because we're so busy. But who makes us busy? It's us. It's us who who neglects ourselves and takes the easy way out by running through that drive through of McDonald's or Arby's or Taco Bell or um, Wendy's or what ha- or ordering pizza out, which I'm not, I'm, I'm love pizza, but I don't do it every week. It's actually an every other week thing in my home. And I choose high quality pizza that is fresh made with fresh ingredients. But my thing is, is that we, the modern diet problem is us. We are the problem. And until we stand up and say, I need something different. I need something different than what my parents have. I don't want, me personally, I don't want to be in and out of the hospital and falling all the time and have be in stage four heart failure for the rest of my life. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be, I don't want to miss out on my life. I don't even care. <laughs> my kids always like, mom, do you want grandkids? I'm like, no. Because once I've, <laughs> it sounds so bad, and this will probably be around when I do have grandkids, if I get grandkids, but grandkids should be an honor or a privilege to be with. I'm not going to raise my grandkids. They're not my kids. My ki- I will mentor my kids and their wives or, sp- or husbands, and, and I will help them, like guide them, and I'll guide them to one another and to God, but I am not going to raise anybody else's kids. I will raise my own. But I don't, I don't want to miss out on my life. I don't want to miss out on being present with people that God puts in my space 
to mentor, to serve, to love well. And I can't love well when I'm stuck in hospital beds or when I'm having blood pressure problems and having to spend money and worried about my next paycheck because of medicine, not even because of me spending inappropriately. That's a whole nother story. But this idea and this switch came to me that I get to choose better. Back in 20, um, 12, 2013, it came to me. Now, did I act on it then? No, I did not. But in 2013, I knew that there had to be another way. That's when I watched my dad wake up on a ventilator after a full day's worth of bypass surgery. He had five arteries bypassed. And the complications from that, he's never been the same. The complications have been awful. But at that point, I believed it was just normal. I believe that diabetes and heart disease, that this was just normal. And this was just going to be what my future was going to be until the Holy Spirit tapped on me and said, do you really want this? You have a way out. And that's when I started dabbling in the idea of nutrition and getting, getting control of my food and understanding how food affects my body and going deeper and understanding that. And I think it's so important to really consider how you approach your food. What do you eat? You eat food. The things that God put on this planet for us to eat, plants and animals, in their wholest and purest forms. What do we not eat? The junk that is processed from those things. The high fructose corn syrup is in everything. Are you going to pay a little bit more for things now? Probably. But also, your quality of life is going to be so much better now than any time that you're on prescription medications. Because the money that goes into prescription medications not only takes away from your family and your livelihood, but it also, it depletes your body. These medicines deplete your body of nutrients, which start to kill you faster. I'm on prescription medications. My husband's on prescription medications. My oldest son is because he has asthma. He was born at 33 weeks, three days because of my poor health. And don't tell me that I don't look at him and feel a sense of, I should have done better. But how do I combat that is I take action every day, showing him how to do better from day one. Showing him that there's grace, but there's also this place of accountability. That we don't just eat to eat, we, we eat to fuel, we eat to nourish. And there was a Roseanne episode that, um, and you know, it's no um, secret that I love Roseanne. Um, I love her podcast as well. If you have sensitive ears, I would not listen to it. <laughs> but she is raw and authentic and I love her. But there was one episode in the show Roseanne where they were talking about weight and she was like, food is my only pleasure because they have no money. And that speaks volumes because that that was me too. We could afford food. Well, what is considered food? But we could not afford the extravagances. We are not dogs. We're not animals that get treats. We are so much more. And that's something that I want to offer you right now. I want to offer you access to my free three-day first steps clinic. It has nothing to do with your food. It has nothing to do with your food. 
But this First Steps Clinic is three days. It's free. All you have to do is go to the link down below in the show notes. And what you're going to do is you're going to register. When you register, you'll get sent an email. You'll get a set, an email day one, day two, and day three. And in those emails, you will have um, some links, some downloads. You'll actually have a self-assessment to download. You're going to have some video teachings from me. You're going to have some next steps, some things to work on in that, in each of those emails. And what you're going to leave with on day three is you're going to know exactly what your next step is. You're going to know, am I going to take this path or this path? And these paths, honestly, I have made it so easy for you to choose why you need to go either A or B. And both of them, neither of them is better than the other, but they're both a perfect starting step for you. So I hope you would take a look at the First Steps Clinic. It will be down in my show notes for you. But anyway, all that to say, I want you to be a person of action. Most of you all are ladies that listen to this. And yeah, it's weird that I can see the demographics of who's listening to this and where you're from and where you're listening and how many things you've downloaded. It's so creepy when you think about it that way. But I know that you're going to be resistant. As soon as this episode ends, or maybe now you've already shut it off the, this episode and you're done listening to me in your ears. And maybe you're like me and say, oh, that, that's a good idea. I'll do that later. But later never comes, does it? When we see all these good ideas that we just don't take action, we, we have really good intentions. Oh my gosh, I need to do that. And then you'll hear me in your ears next week and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. I should have done that. And you haven't taken action yet. It is November 1st, 2023. I am actually starting my Diabetes No More program next week for the people that jumped on board with that. If you are still interested in that and you still want to know more about this, you are welcome to send me an email at hello at cryinginmycheesecake.com or find me on Instagram and DM me. But that closes, the opportunity closes. What happens if you miss the other opportunities that are out there? The First Steps Clinic is free. It is a free opportunity that allows you to take action. Allows you to know without a doubt your next best steps. Allows you to be in this place where you're like, okay, it's a busy season for me, but I know what to do right now. And Danielle has made it so easy for me to take this step. Because let's be real, November and December fly by. I still feel like it's, it's July. It's not, but I still feel like it. And I wonder if you too find yourself losing sense of time. So do me a favor and pause this in just a moment and head down to the link below in the show notes and just quickly register. You can come back. You're not going to miss anything, I promise. You can come back and work your way through the rest of this episode. And if you have any questions, any concerns, anything like that, always find me on Instagram. Okay? Go push pause because the only thing I'm going to do now is the outro. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. I hope it encourages you to make the next best step for your health. Take a look at the show notes for more information or other links I mentioned in the episode. 
And if you got to this point, come find me on Instagram and send me a DM. Tell me you listened to this episode and what you got out of it.